Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2018. Episode 190, Success Through Iteration. Presented by Jay Treat and Mark Richardson. Hello, welcome, thank you for coming to our panel. Uh, I'm Jay Treat. I'm Mark Richardson. Uh, uh, So I design uh, board games, card games, uh, RPGs, and LARPs. I design card games. Apparently now I'm designing a card game. Sorry, I design role-playing game. Apparently my role-playing game I was working on, I have iterated it into a card game, which is weird. Um, uh, And uh, I also do a lot of cartography, which is all about going over things over and over and over again until you get something that you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, iteration is uh, kind of a fundamental tool in game design and uh, probably any design. Uh, I, I was recommended to uh, give a talk about this subject because uh, of a specific game that uh, I have iterated on a lot. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that and, and other games. But uh, before, before I jump into it, I, I want to know... Uh, why are you here? What what expectations do you have? What are you What are you hoping to learn from this panel? So I'll just jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> been working on a game. I have playtesters. I change the rules on them a lot. I imagine that must be frustrating for them. So trying to mitigate when it's necessary, when I should hold back and not make small changes and wait to do one big change. So just curious on the thought process. Uh, are, are you talking about uh, during a game session or between games? Between mostly. <coughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll 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 touch on that uh, for sure. You you had something. Um, I'm actually uh, I don't have a game. I'm not really a game designer, but I also do use iterative software development practices at work, and I wanted to see kind of like where the parallels draw and where they don't. Great. Cool. Excellent. Anyone else? Uh, obviously, just trying to figure out when is it done. When is the game done? Or when do I keep working on it? Because Yeah, that is a hell of a question. We will touch on that a little bit. Yeah. Something over here. Yeah, I mean, just kind of effective playtesting when it's like, okay, maybe I should, maybe I need to make a big change, or maybe I just need to wait it out and try playtesting the game a few more times before I decide that it's not working. Because, you know, maybe it was just that one playtest. Yep. I think early in the playtest process is hard for me because game can go in a lot of different directions, whereas later on you're just kind of refining. And so there's a lot more decisions. We call it game designer AP. Yeah. So I guess <coughs> just advice on how to get over that hump. Great. That, that's a real thing. That is something that I intend to talk about. Uh, cool. <coughs> um, so your game, your game will likely change radically uh, from when it begins to when you're done with it. Uh, ideally, your goal for that game will not. Right, so uh, you should you should have a, a core motivation that is why you are doing this thing, um, and that that you know that will depend very much on the designer, um, and that you you will likely have uh, sub goals that that you come in with. 
those can change based on based on your experiences. But generally, your your motivation, your the the thing that you are doing this for is not going to change, and that is to a large extent going to be your guiding light in how you're going to make these decisions on on uh, how to iterate, when to iterate. Um, so if your goal is to explore a novel mechanic or component, uh, you might end up changing the game around radically by being, being like, oh, well, I tried this diceless mechanic and it did this, this weird thing, so I'm going to just get rid of all the, all the fluff that I put in that I thought would be relevant and just explore this weird thing that that enables, right? That's a totally legitimate path to design. Um, but if your goal, uh, and so an, another thing is if your goal is to practice your design skills to become a bit better designer, then you might try every variation, every iteration of the game uh, just to see where it goes and just to gain those skills of, of, of learning, you know, like, okay, if, if I make the bidding a one turn thing versus if I make the bidding simultaneous versus if I make the bidding, you know, uh, multiple turns or, or there's so many variations, right? And, and as you're becoming a designer, um, those, are, those are mostly things that you will either have uh, only the, the, the most tangential grip on based on your play of a bunch of games, um, or, or none at all. Um, and, and you kind of have to just practice those skills by, by driving down those paths, <coughs> seeing what's down there, and, and trying to understand that. Yeah, and like some, some of that is like challenging, like iteration helps to challenge whatever your underlying assumptions might be, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, or maybe you just don't know, like there's no right or wrong answer, right? So like, uh, I mean, the thing I can think of is I had like a stress track in my, in my last game, Headspace, and it went up and down in play. Well, how much is going up, going down, how long are these tracks is incredibly important to how it feels in play. The only way of knowing that is by trying it. And, you know, sometimes that's like, uh, and it changed sometime, like the, what I learned was probably the smartest path was like I would come here and I would, you know, in the morning I'd try it with a track of six. In the afternoon I'd try it with a track of four. I just, I wouldn't tell anybody, you know, because it, you know, you don't want to change the way they're interacting with it based on like assumptions and things like that. You can just try it in different ways. And then suddenly, like, and so you'll play a game where it, it doesn't do the thing that you want it to do. And then you'll play a game that it does, but it happens a lot. You know, or something like that. Mm. Yeah, what, when you're testing something where it's specifically just this number versus this number, and there, there are always a lot of dials that you can turn on your designs, <coughs> it's uh, one of the fastest ways to get data early is it, instead of making incremental changes. So instead of being like, okay, should this track be six spaces or seven spaces, right? Try and do like doubles as long as that makes sense, right? So is this track three spaces or six spaces or 12 spaces? Um, just, and, and you know, very quickly you can start to hone in on, well, like, this was closer, so now I'm going to try some more and more incremental changes. Um, but yeah, like, definitely any iteration, even if it's not specifically numbers, you generally want to try the big stuff earliest and then try and get, get the sense of like, okay, so between these two big crazy ideas, do I feel like this one was closer or this one was closer? Because then you can basically uh, cut off, like, half of your avenues of approach and, and just narrow down. Um, yeah, I would totally agree with that. Like the variation, like the, in a lot of designs and probably every design you create, you've created like a range or something, right? Like some sort of like, this is a success and this is a failure state or this is a lot of damage. This is not that many damage. This is a lot of people that get born or whatever, right? And in early design, you really want to figure out like, uh, 
that big broad stroke of like which part should I be exploring because if your mechanics have like a range of like 12 numbers and you go I'm going to try this test at a 5 and this test at a 6 you'll never see any difference probably you know um, but if you do like you know 3, 6, 8, 12 you know and there may be things that you obviously just won't do because you will know it, it'll be obviously bad yeah, uh, and and that does kind of speak to uh, the phases of game design. So so uh, usually you'll have like, oh, this is the exploratory just phase where I'm just figuring out what's possible and what's interesting, and then and then you've got like, okay, I've decided that this is the path that I want to take. I'm going to try and explore and flesh this out, and then it's only when you're finally like, okay, this is actually what I what I've settled on that you just start doing that balance testing <coughs> and, and trying to get the the little details right and like. Don't start doing the last phase before you finish the first two because you will waste your time. Uh, that that stuff will will just fall away. Um, so a, another very specific goal. Uh, so you you might have a very specific goal when you create a game. Uh, so uh, the 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 example game that I'm going to be talking about today is A Pirate's Life. I wanted to make uh, a a role playing game where players play an elective family of pirates. My goal for that was not to be like, okay, where's, where's this intersection of theme going to take me? My goal for that was to create a heartwarming game. I wanted to create a game where players could feel like positive feelings for each other, feel a feeling of belonging, um, especially uh, in, in the context of a world where maybe the rest of the world doesn't feel that way about them. Uh, and so that, that's how I landed on that theme. And when I first, my first iteration of that game uh, was a great success in that it was a hilarious, funny thing where players just did like joke after joke and everyone had a great time. It was a complete failure for my goal. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm scrapping this design. I'm gonna completely start over and, and make this game again. And I actually had to, had to start from scratch with that game like three times before I got a base that I could start iterating on uh, to, that, that achieved my goal at all. Uh, it, it turned out like the funny was uh, sub, 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 undermining the uh, the seriousness that I needed to actually get a heartfelt emotion. Um, so, so you can have specific goals that that make you be like, well, I don't, I found this thing, it's great, it's not what I want, I'm going to ignore it, I'm going to keep looking. Um, so you you can use your goals to decide which playtest feedback to prioritize, right? So you want to record all the playtest feedback that you get. You want to process it all. Um, you, you'll hear this other places if you haven't already. Um, you, you are more concerned with what the players are feeling and experiencing than any suggestions that they're giving you, right? So if a, if a player says, well, you could have an event deck or something, right? Um, maybe you want an event deck for your game or not. Uh, but what you should be getting from that feedback is they feel like this game doesn't have enough variance, or they feel like there's not enough story, or there's something missing that they're trying to address with that suggestion. Um, regardless, you are recording all this feedback. Um, so, so yeah, so the, once you've got all that feedback, um, A, you want to try to understand where it's all coming from, um, and B, you can then prioritize the, the value of that feedback based on what your specific goals are, right? So if you come into a, a test and players are loving this weird thing that you had that you just threw in as filler to, to make your mechanic work without knowing how things, um, 
again, if your goal is just to like explore or to make the best thing, then yeah, maybe, and you've got time, maybe you, maybe you ditch everything else and you just explore that, that weird thing that the player is like. Um, if that's not your goal, if your goal is, no, no, I need to have you know, a three to four player medium Euro that plays in 45 minutes and this thing makes that longer, it doesn't matter that somebody liked it, it's out. Um, you can maybe use that in another design at another time. Um, ideas are never dead. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree. Like, so, like, when you uh, like, my experience is more with role-playing game design, and it's less like you're never going to have, like, this This makes the game... I mean, you can have this makes the game too long, or these things don't work, but, you you know, like, you... you like, feedback is, like, it's a weighted process, right? Like, I have a goal, I have an idea of what this game is, and, and the longer you work on it, you're going to develop, a, like, a philosophical perspective on how this should feel, right? And often you will get feedback that is valid for the perspective this person has on this game, but this is not the game you're trying to make, you know, like, uh, and, and it's like, you know, you know, I mean, some feedback is like, like, like what, okay, like, it's so frank, like some feedback is wrong from your perspective and what you're making, like, that's not my game. You want to go, like, I have totally had play tests with people and they give feedback to me and I'm like, that's all cool. If you want to make that game, go make that game but this is definitely not that game um you know whether they're putting in lots of extra mechanics whether they're you know exploring parts of this game like sometimes people will try to explore their own sort of design ideas in your playtests which um i, I mean it just happens it's what we do um the like uh, listening to everything recording everything like, you know, just using your iPhone to record stuff, what have you. Uh, one thing I like to do is, uh, in an effort to not discount what somebody says because I'm really busy at cons or whatever, like when you, you know, like I will put, like if somebody says your game, need, this game needs more samurai, and I'm like, this is probably ridiculous, but maybe sure, okay. Like I write it down, when somebody tells me an affirmative statement, like you need an event deck, I would go, I would, in my notes, I go, do I need an event deck question mark? And I leave it alone. And my book, over the course of the convention, builds up with a lot of questions. I don't have names of who asked me these questions. I don't care about that. Like, I'm just like, I'm trying to val make those questions a valid statement. And then like, you know, a couple weeks later, when my brain is a little bit less like in the moment, I read over all these questions. And so sometimes your answers are what you figured they were gonna be because it's not what you were doing. And you're like, all right, I don't need that, I don't need that. And then sometimes you get these questions that where you're like, hmm, you know, and you know, and then you start putting that into something else. That, that distance is also useful uh, for, for processing feedback less emotionally. Um, it's it's really hard to take feedback early in, in your career because uh, criticism of your game feels like criticism of you. Uh, it is not, but it's really hard to internalize that. Uh, and and even even once you have like still just having some distance from from feedback and being able to come back and be like, okay, I'm just looking at these words that I wrote down two weeks ago. I so I don't even record. Uh, when I put a question in my notes, I don't write down whether it was my question that I asked myself or somebody else's question. I just come back to it later and answer it as honestly as I can. Um, you know, it's it's very common that you're like, that's a stupid question, that's a stupid idea. Uh, you never say that, you write it down. Uh, and sometimes that two weeks, a month, whatever perspective 
uh, when you come back and just be like, okay, I'm just going to try to answer this as best as I can. Um, sometimes you're like, oh, there's actually something here, whether it's whether it's what the questioner intended or not. Um, that's, I mean, that's how a lot of inspiration in design works, right? Um, so. This was originally Jay's panel. I'm the interloper, so I'm trying to. <laughs> you are absolutely helping, and I appreciate it. Uh, cool. Well, so far. Uh, so your primary goal shouldn't be changing, uh, you know, unless your life is changing, but your sub-goals probably should, right? Um, so uh, if, you, if you set out to, to make, uh, if your purpose is, uh, I'm going to make the best possible card game. Uh, that's that's way too narrow. That's way too broad. I'm gonna make the the best possible 20 minute uh, casual card game uh, about dogs, uh, right? And and uh, maybe you're gonna come in and say, okay, uh, I really want this to sell for like 15, 20 dollars. I want it to be have no components except for cards, and I want it to be uh, 108 cards or less, right? If if you come in and you find that uh, there's your, your testing shows that there's another game that is even better if it includes dice, if it includes beads, if it's, you know, a thousand cards and, and you know, tradable, collectible, whatever. Um, right, if, if, that new, if that new thing isn't contradictory to your primary motivation, to your primary goal, change the sub-goals of your game, change your project. Um, again, that assumes that you have time, it assumes that you are not contracted with someone to do a specific thing. Those are, those are locked in parameters, but um, a big part of iteration is figuring out, well, what, what do I have? Where am I at? What have I found? Is that better than the direction I was going? Most of my designs are exploratory designs where I'm just like, here's an idea, I'm gonna try this. And the vast majority of the time, the idea itself wasn't good, and it's not gonna lead anywhere amazing. But the fact that I got this physical thing on the table and players had a reaction to it and I saw an interaction that I never realized was possible or, or didn't realize would be this cool allows me to then say, okay, that idea's gone and I'm now gonna explore this thing. Uh, that, that for me is an extremely fruitful uh, source of game design. Um, yeah, I would like, I mean, from, certainly from the perspective of early design, it's really helpful to have a sense of humor about this. Like, go in with your early design. Do not expect this thing to, like, smell roses and, 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 and be amazing on the first go. No, nothing ever is, you know. I mean, my first takes on games are usually, like, the wheels pop off in the bus, the bus rolls over, flies off a cliff. While it's going down into the cliff towards the ravine, un, uh, like, an unrelated airplane hits it, you know. Um, and this is all really important, but, like, like let start of like you start to go well why did the wheels pop off the bus you know um and i mean the sometimes the, the question is was it a bus you know like that's the like you know a lot of people talk about like analogies of cars and engines and stuff like that and like you know like the early states you're trying to figure out what sometimes things are you know uh yeah. like you can go into things with an idea and then that I be allow that idea to change, um, especially based on feedback and, and play tests. Like if it if this as you say, like if this thing starts leaning one way, I mean you can lean against it. But I mean as was pointed out as a thing I'm been struggling with recently is you know games tend to kind of do once they they have a little weird momentum thing that you won't see, 
and it's sort of like you know at, at some point you look past the all the stretch of all the variations and it actually seems quite logical how you ended up here but in the moment you're like what you know why is it leaning this way and a lot of times it's because people are in finding that part of the game more engaging um like speaking of which like i would say like fun is a arbitrary useless this is my take on fun is it's, it's a pretty useless idea um when somebody tells me they had fun i'm like great okay sure like i'm happy you had fun like i'm not gonna say like well crap you know but like i want like what i have found with a lot of things is is it engaging because if it's engaging for everybody at the table like you can't be engaged with something for a very long time if you're not having fun you know but people are going to ex experience fun in different ways you know um and so if everyone if if like s see where things are like being used you know if you have like a sheet and this is considered really important you know and you've said this like this has been on every sheet but no one uses it maybe you don't need it on the sheet maybe it doesn't need to be in the game what happens when you remove it you know um uh, there's all sorts of things that we have various interfaces to the game. You know, if it's a card or board game, there's a lot of interfaces. If it's a role-playing game, the primary interfaces may be character sheets or, or whatever resolution mechanics you're using. Um, so how, how does the information, like you're playing like a limited information game, right? You know, if I give you this piece of information, what do you do with it? And then you give more or less and, and you're playing with that, you know? Um, uh, yeah, so re removing things is one of the best iterations you can do, right? If, if there's an element that isn't like 100% central to your design, take it out, test it, and just like, you may really, really like it, players may really, really like it. If you can take it out and the game still like works, you're probably better without it, and that's that's one of the hardest things to do. Um, you, were, you were talking about uh, exploration, and I, I'm reminded, so I have, I have this kind of visual metaphor for uh, most of my game design, which is, uh, so I know lots of games, and I kind of, if you if I kind of imagine them in uh, this this network, where it's like okay, this this Agricola is here, and Cavern is here, and uh, Spades is over here, and you know some things are more connected, and some things are closer, and you have this this three dimensional cloud of, of these data points of what what possible games uh, we are aware of, right? It's actually way more than three-dimensional, but we don't need to visualize it as more than three dimensions. Um, I, I imagine like, okay, well, there's this game that's over here in this cloud that no one has visited yet. Nobody's explored that space, so we, we're not aware that it exists. Um, it's, al it's almost like you're discovering games rather than building games, right? Uh, which, weirdly enough, both those verbs are true. Um, and uh, for me, um, a lot of a lot of figuring out where those games are is by pushing the boundaries of, of mechanics of uh, game environments of interactions and saying um, you know like if, if I if I fully understand how this particular kind of bidding mechanism works do I understand like what happens if if I make it real-time do I understand what happens if I make it co-op um, and like th these are these are adjacent spaces. They're just they're just cloudy because there's no there's no game in that space that's shining light on that information. And the only way to learn that 
is to just build it and try it and see what happens. Uh, and, and very often just poking in those directions, sometimes you hit a wall and you're like, nope, that's not a thing. And that's really good. That's super helpful knowledge to have like, oh, this is a real boundary in games. Most of the time, there's not a real boundary there. And, and you find something new and you can build on that and iterate on that. I think some, one of the hardest things that iteration like can do is like you have this, there's a concept especially, I think this really happened a lot in role playing games, but I'm sure it happens in board games and card games, sort of like emergent properties mm-hmm. where like the sum of all its parts create this feeling at the table that's like a je ne sais quoi, you don't know what's going on, you're not exactly sure how it got there, but it's really good. Sometimes it's really bad too, like people start feeling a certain way when they do certain actions or moves and it makes a thing and you're like nailing down why that's happening is maybe not as important as asking like do I want it here or not you know I mean typically you're moving a design in a, in a direction and then a lot of times I find the emergent properties tend to be I'm trying to think of a good example of an emergent property but like um, like an emergent property of certain things like if you if you are uh, if in the game players hide information from each other, like at what point do you create distrust amongst the players? You know, do you want that? Like, do you want distrust? Like, how how do you want people like that feeling that as exists at the table? You know, sometimes you want like a trusty question. You know, like if someone's a Cylon and everybody and there's only there's only one of you. You know, like you want that question going right. But sometimes you could get that like. Um, you could get the diplomacy problem where, you know, uh, well, two, mer- two relationships ended and Bob flipped the table and I haven't talked to him in 10 years, you know? I, I, like, so you, um, you know, that was probably something that should have been tested a bit more, but, you know. Um, feature not bug. <laughs> yeah, feature yeah. not a bug. Yeah, and that's the thing. Sometimes you get things that are bugs and sometimes you get things that are features, right? And, and uh, you know, and sometimes you can't do anything about it, right? You know, um, you you mentioned moving in one direction. Uh, if and, you're lucky. And that so so that reminds me that uh, it's it's really easy to get in the headspace where you're like, okay, I only want to do things that make my game better. Um, and if you're on a real tight deadline and you have to deliver something, that's that's a totally legit thing. If you're not though, you should not be afraid of trying things that you expect to fail. You should not be afraid of trying things that that. Uh, you think will break your game uh, because they will they will either do what you what you thought and confirm that knowledge and make it more more solid in your head, or they will surprise you and actually be a, be forward momentum. Um, and like there is no there is no change you can make in your game that you can't undo. You yeah, that's a really valid point. Is it? Sorry, you want to fire? No, oh, oh, it was a, a minor topic change. Go ahead. No, but yeah, like. Um, you know, just because you add something, like, and then take it away, and then you play test three, four iterations, and you're like, hmm, you know, uh, the reason this thing maybe isn't working right now, or not doing the thing I want, is because, like, four play tests ago, I took out this thing. You know, well, go back, grab it, and put it in. You know, don't, don't just, de- don't have one Word document and delete everything. You know, keep everything. Um, if anything, what you may want to do, um, I find once I get a little bit the project more established is I'll create like a kind of a, a separate document whereas like this is like it's not good for here but it's like a, a good idea like I've play tested it it does a thing it's not good for this project you know 
clunk, you know, and, and it's always there even for the next game or something like that. Um, challenging your assumptions is huge because we're going to make assumptions about our own work, especially our own work. Um, and sometimes we'll not want an answer. Like, uh, we'll, the worst case, I think, maybe, is when we get in our own way and we're like, well, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to play test out where this will go because maybe I just don't want that answer. But, like, sometimes you're going to have to play a play test that, as you say, it's going to break. It's, gonna, it's not going to work. And at the end of the day, maybe your playtesters might not have a great time, but you need to do that playtest to find out what the failure point is or to confirm that this doesn't work. Because if you don't, you know, you, you, you can, we can all play those games. We all know those games that, are, you know, when the, person, when the person who created it is out of the room, you're like, this is not doing the thing it's supposed to do. Because games have so many variables, it is very easy to uh, make a conclusion, uh, make a decision that's based on where the game is now. With, with these features in place, this one is better off changed this way or removed. Uh, it's very easy to be, to be like, okay, now like so many iterations later, I've changed these other variables, and now that thing that I thought was bad for the game is good for it again because it was only bad in that particular context. Yeah, that happens. Uh, it's, it's very, very good whenever you make a decision in your game to note why you made that decision in your notes so that, so that you can come back and reference it and say, is that still the case? Is that still relevant? Or is this something that I can bring back? If you don't, if you don't make those notes, then you're either going to continue to assume that that thing will never be relevant and miss it when it is, um, or you're going to have to do work again to test all the things that you changed or removed, and, and that's, that's just repetitive work. Do you still have... Yeah, uh, I was wondering if you could talk about uh, the limited resource of playtesters and how that intersects with iteration and reusing playtesters over and over again if you're only yeah. able to come to a thing like Metatopia once or twice. They will suffer under the boot of my game. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, but how, uh, in your experience, I would imagine that influences feedback as I've played this game five times now and it's a little different every time and I'm starting to get a little fuzzy about it. And the, re the resource of playtesters is, is a huge influence on, on how you design. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, can, I can get a board game playtest almost any week. Whereas I can get an RPG or a, or a LARP playtest about four or five times a year. And that changes how I, how I iterate on those games. It means that uh, I, have to, I have to be much more intentional about my changes to the games that, get, that I can test less. Uh, and, and I have to be more risky <coughs> in how, how far I iterate them. Um, because because I can't count on being able to test every possible thing like I really like to. I, I have to make certain assumptions. I have to test more changes at once than I would like to. Yeah. Like, the process of game design is making decisions. End of statement. You know, you have to make decisions about your game. If you're not willing to make decisions about your game, just get out of game design. You know, save yourself some agony. Because... You, like you have to make a choice, you know, I'm gonna try this thing or I'm gonna do this thing and uh, The like as you find yourself making less key decisions as you find you're changing less things in your game That's usually where you get to this point where you have to be at that 
end point. I mean, it's done when you, you think it's done. I mean, for RPG stuff, it tends to be done when you can't stand it anymore. Um, it's, it's the same for Forge. Yeah, I, I imagine. Like, if you, like you're kind of like, you know, I can run this another ten times and maybe change one variable. Who cares? You know? Um, it's not, uh, you know, like, uh, I have a, there's a, like, a short slogan that I would probably tattoo onto my body or my, or put on my tombstone, which is perfect as the enemy of good, you know? And, and you better believe it. Your game will not be perfect. If you've never made a game before, you know what, the best game you'll ever make it. Your second game is going to be way better than the first game, but you can't make a second game until you make a first game. You know, you're going to learn from mistakes. You're going to do things differently, but you have to make that decision, you know? Um, the, like, I would say for, like, like, so my experience is more with RPGs. But like what I do with like sort of iteration is like I you have like kind of fake iteration where you're not really play testing it with like you kind of constantly like you kind of like make a change and you look at that in the scope of everything that you know about the game and and what you figured out and you're like mm, you know and then maybe like a week later you like add something or change something or whatever like what I do because I go to like a couple different conventions during the year is I like I. I will, at least from an RPG perspective, is I aim to have a new version, a new core iteration of the game at each con that I go to. So that gives me, like, I go, let's say I go to Metatopia and then I go to, like, say, Dreamation and then I go to, say, Gen Con. Um, so at each of these, these are my big design goalposts where I'm, like, I'm going to do a bunch of playtests within that and then I'm going to do a whole bunch of things and then so on and so forth. And that helps gives me some, I, like, I find it's really good to give me some deadlines and stuff like that. Um, I, everybody does iterations differently. Like, I just date stamp my files because if I had version numbers, I, I would just probably, like, <laughs> give out. I'd be like, 10.26439, you know, like, um, uh, you know, like, it, it, I've never done a game designed for another person under budget and time constraints. Like I've had very long windows of it's done when it's done. Um, and I imagine it would be much different, probably more like my day job, you know. Um, I, I think like, I mean, everybody probably has like a core group of playtesters locally maybe, but not necessarily, right? Like you may be in a small, you may be in a small town or a big city where you don't know people or... Well, that's kind of the core of my question was, um, so I found when I made Tachyon Squadron that the third play test with the same group, my home group, was kind of useless. That It just stopped being useful at some point. Um, and, but, you know, Minitopia was a long way off. Um, and I could try to wrangle some play testers locally, some other ones, but... Is that is that uh, does your experience match that or d yes? Is in, it, okay. in my experience, playtesters burn out really quickly on a single game. Mm -hmm. um, I, if if you can if you can get like three groups to test, and I'll I'll take iteration one to this group, and iteration two to this group, and iteration three to this group, maybe then I can take iteration four back to the first group. Um, and, and that depends on the games and the playtesters. Yeah, like I have a local crowd of people that I game with, and I force them into my motley terrible contraptions here and there. Um, they've suffered through a lot of non-working tanks, is all I'll say. Um, but like they, you know, like your friend, uh, you know, like I, you've probably heard this at other panels, or maybe you haven't because this is your first Metatopia. Your friends are your friends. They don't want to hurt your feelings most of the time. 
friends are bad playtest. You know, they're probably they're gonna they're they're going to try to make it work. You know, when you playtest at Metatopia, sometimes like and sometimes this is the other thing, like when you tell people to play, I don't want you to try to make this work. You know, I want you to play what's here. You know? Role playing games have a lot more hazy space where people tend to try to push them up, which is why like the failure state of a role playing game is is when you walk out of the room like the goal of an RPG specifically, and I mean, this is the same for, I guess, board and card games, but, like, I'm going to give you a book. This book is going to give you instructions on how to run and administer this game for other people. And I can only talk to you about the book. Like, so, there you go. Um, like, the worst, I hate doing this, but, like, get a friend of yours to run the game for people and just sit in the room and you're not allowed to say anything and it'll be the worst whatever time period of your life. <laughs> yeah, but like it, it's incredibly valuable uh, because you'll see people, like even in, in that iteration, like the iteration of my interface for the people who are running my game, you know, like if you're having a certain game, well, like I, I played a game where like people are literally reading from a book and taking turns. Well, it's really important that you see that like independently and not like you're the one always doing things, you know? Um, there, there's a weird double-edged sword in designing story games and RPGs where it's it's easier to make a decent RPG be, because of how much influence the players have on it, and, and good role players can make almost anything a good experience. And that fact makes it harder to make a great RPG because you get all these false positives, and, it's re and that makes iterating on it and making it better harder. It's almost like this weird survivorship bias or something like that, <laughs> like where you, where you're sort of like there's probably a better bias word than that, but it was like yeah, like these people have a vested interest in having a good time and making this work, which sometimes is problematic. I think um, you you kind of want to see that point where it breaks sometimes, and this is the key thing is is when you're doing certain pieces of iteration, sometimes you're trying to test certain things different than others and I think sometimes you want to tell people at the table like hey this game this playtest is all about blah like we're we're trying I need to figure out how our acceleration mechanics work in this racing game so that's what we're going to focus on if you happen to bump into other things like a literal bump in the road we'll note it but we're going to keep moving um, and other times you get entirely different information if that's what you're testing and you don't tell anyone you know and you just see what happens um, uh, and, and where that goes. Um, so did you still? I, I was just going to say you were talking yeah, why don't about we go the, the playtesters. Questions, uh, or do you have more stuff? One of the other challenges we know is we playtest the same group all the time is you end up making a game for just Bob and Jim yes. and Pete. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, that's, but that's not. They're not going to be playing it all the time. And and that's also dangerous because uh, they start to get uh, a feeling of authorship in yes. it, and that's what they're enjoying. Right. We, um, we purposely. Oh, I'm building a war game. Let's show it to war game friends, and then we'll show it to some non-war game friends and see what they're experience. Like these guys probably shouldn't enjoy it. If the casual players are like, "Your war game's great," you're like, "I'm done something wrong." You know, so that's also interesting. Yeah. Did you have something? Oh, I was just gonna ask real quick. When you're playtesting a role-playing game and it is a group, do you make a concerted effort to give them a traditional role-playing game campaign experience, or do you kind of oh, throw some of that so, out the window? Yeah. Uh, I would, and this goes back to, you are, like, it depends on who you are, what you're doing, what your resources are, and all those things. So, I don't work for other people, I'm doing it for myself, so my experience of that is, uh, 
a lot of campaign play, like the dirty dark secret of say Headspace's campaign campaign play works, and thank God. But uh, I never had time to really like. I'm not. I'm not the guy who writes Blades in the Dark. I can't make a pre-alpha version where it's like literally a sketch pad of notes and throw it on the internet and like 150 people are gonna play test with their home groups for like six sessions before I even get to my next iteration of my own game design. Like that's awesome if you can do that and maybe you can do that if you're working for a company and they release a, a version. Um, and like I think like to go back to some of your questions about play testers is, one way is there's a lot of people who love games, you know, and, and they'll play, you know, I mean, this is, Metatopia is proof positive, people will play things that don't always work, right? And so uh, you can, like, you know, put a, the beta of betas, the king of betas on, 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 on your website and be like, hey, go try this, and you'll get feedback or you won't, I don't know. But, I mean, in the RPG space, um, yeah, like, what I, you the hardest campaign stuff is really hard because I keep making iterative changes to my game and like I'm on the version I'm currently testing is not remotely like it was like say three months ago so like I could give this version to Clark and his friends and they could go off and play it but I'm gonna keep working on this you know so by the time they get back and you're like here's all our feedback and you're like well those three mechanics that were core in your game, they're all gone, you know? And and that's hard, you know? Um, I, I don't know, do you have a solution? I don't think anyone has a solution for this problem. No, I mean, and there, there's a there's also a push and pull uh, with, with between uh, getting all the iterations and testing all the things that you should and, and also like delivering an experience that your play testers will tolerate uh, at a place like Metatopia, like no, like test whatever. People signed on for playtesting, right? But when you're, but when you cajole your friends into like, hey, I've got this thing, I really need to test it. Like they're doing you a favor, uh, and and that makes it harder to test the things that aren't going to work. Uh, and like, tr like all my friends in my main home group think I'm a terrible game designer, despite the fact that I have multiple published titles and I am not a bad game designer, because they've played all my games at the earliest, suckiest stages. Um, and, and, it's and they never want to have anything to do with the, the version that finally gets published. Yeah. Like, we're sick of it, right. you know? Right. I'm like, Aren't no, you, you sick really... of it? You've been working on this for three years. I'm like, yes, I am sick of it. You know, I, um, yeah, I, th there's all sorts of weird things that happen with that. Like, I think one of the things, like, uh, and, like, that's the thing. Like, Metatopia is probably the most accepting place of, like, hi, this is, like, not a good idea, or this is a weird, not really working thing, or, hey, it works, fantastic. You know, like, um, like I, I find a lot of times when you, the difference between tiers and non-tiers in early game design is, is tiers might be... I had an assumption about how this game would play, and it doesn't do that. Like, tears are not necessarily a bad thing. It's like you're emotionally grieving, like, the 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 thing that you imagined this thing would be, you know? And sometimes, you know, like, you'll you get over that, right? Or hopefully you do. Um, <laughs> like, um, but, like, I, you know, like, I've playtested at cons that are not playtest cons, you know? Because this is just part of my design cycle. So, hey, Metatopia is great. Well, like, I've playtested at Gen Con in the same schedule of events as normal. I listed as playtest. I scream and yell that it's a playtest. Yeah. But people will, won't inherently get that. So they, they're coming there, and they want the full experience. Um, and, 
you give them a slice of it, and it may be a badly working slice. Um, I think you, it's really good to uh, establish the expectations right at the beginning of the table. Don't bullshit to people, like, you know, uh, because people, you know, like, they're, you know, like, these are your early fans, the playtesters, too. Like, these people will have an investment in your game, probably like a big one, like a lot of the people who try the earliest iterations of certain games, like they show, you go to Metatopia, here's the thing is if you're a designer, first time designer or whatever, you're gonna play test something that this, this, this Metatopia, you come back with the same idea, it's being polished, whatever, and you do another play test stream, do not be surprised that there will be people from this Metatopia who sign up to it next year happens a lot because people want to see what happened to the game that they were invested in and then they get that much more invested in it and then maybe when you finally publish it you know they're like out there like you need to read this this is so cool i've also seen what it was and look at how much it's grown and you know like that's that's great ownership of other people doing that and it's really surprising i mean it blows my mind that people follow that stuff i'm like why like like because i only see like the problems in my stuff so it's, it's really tempting to talk more about what, what's a good playtest and what's a good playtester yeah, sure. and all that stuff. Sorry. Uh, but but there, are, there are panels specifically for that, and, and uh, we, it's only relevant because of how it affects your iteration. Um, did, did you still have something? Well, I just was wondering, like, how you were talking about narrowing down the parameters of what works and Great. what doesn't work and having kind of a range. How do you know, maybe this is getting kind of stuck on this topic, but how do you know that that's not just a product of that group, right? Like maybe it didn't... Because you test with multiple groups. Okay, so you, you, you test for two, Yeah, you, you have to be testing with multiple groups. Um, it, it, I'm not saying that playtest B and C can't be with the same group, but you, you have to be testing with multiple groups uh, because otherwise you're not testing the game for people, you're testing the game for that group. Um, it's when feedback is like when you do a lot of iterations, like you come up with the, okay, I'm going to do this, and then you do it like three times with three different groups. And if they start giving consistent feedback, like in all groups they mention the same thing, but slightly differently, but they definitely mention that, like that's really valid information for you. But if you run it like once, you know, for one people, like your friends, like that's the problem with friends, like you run it for them and they're like, well, we didn't like this. And you're like, if you think too, like narrow-minded on that, you know, like you have to try it with other people. Yeah, and uh, it, ideally you're doing completely different groups, but if you can change one person in a group before, that will change the dynamic. That is a different test. Um, but if you can get different groups, do that. Um, so uh, between iterations, uh, if you are a starting designer, change one thing. Um, it's really tempting to change lots of things. And if you're not a starting designer, you will change multiple things, and that's okay. Um, but But... Uh, those things need to be on separate axes, so you need to be sure uh, if you need to be sure that they will not conflate your data, that they will not interact with each other in any way. If you're changing multiple things in your game at the same time, and the only you, if you're not sure, like don't don't do it because you, you're you're going to get less data than if you had done no tests. Um, uh, you you will you will have to do like okay. I tried A and B, now I have to try just A, now I have to try just B, and you would have been better off just skipping, skipping the one that was just bad data. Just, just test A, just test B. Again, un unless you know that those will not affect each other, which, which sometimes that's true. There's, there are multiple systems in a lot of games. 
um, the more experienced you are, the, the more that you, you like, okay, I know basically what kind of effect this, ha this has, and it's only a matter of scale. At that point, you can, you can start layering changes that might affect each other a little bit, but you're, you're, still, you're still hurting your data. And, and so I still only recommend that as if you're like pressed for time or play tests. Um, it's it's not ideal, but it is possible. But like, don't don't be uh, arrogant about that and be like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Like, if you, if you don't know, you're wasting your time by not doing it the hard way. Um, have questions uh, that you're looking to answer when you go into a play test. Um, I don't just mean have questions that you're going to ask the play testers. I mean have questions that you're asking yourself that you are the purpose of this test as opposed to playtesting this game in general. The purpose of this test is to find out how this system interacts, to see how this change works, to understand how these things inform each other. Um, yeah, and like with the iteration, what we, I mean, I think to educate when you do iteration versus not, like you'll ask a big question, and then some, a lot of times those big questions will break into smaller things, right? So in the character creation or in the farm management or whatever, and so you do, tests for all of those things, and then you start answering some of these questions. Sometimes you'll answer them with other questions, and that's okay, yeah. you know, you, and then you go down that path, you know. But then, like, as you answer these questions, hopefully, they begin to roll up, and, you know. Often you will have a hypothesis. You'll be like, okay, I changed this for this reason. You had a reason to do it. You think it's going to do X. You're hoping it will do this thing, um, but you're not sure. Like, it's good to have that hypothesis. Uh, to, to be able to test against that. Uh, it's, but sometimes you're just like, okay, I'm gonna change this. I don't know what that's going to do. Like, that's a 100% legit exploration. You don't have to have that hypothesis. You can just be like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, it, as, long as, as long as you are learning what that did. Um, so so that, that kind of uh, feeds into Game, des game design, iterating on game design is a lot about understanding, right? In, in a lot of ways, uh, every game design test is a psychology experiment. Um, when, when, like, when the, the system you're testing isn't literally just like a logic puzzle, which a lot of board games uh, systems are. Um, you're literally just like, okay, how will humans interact with this thing? How will, how will this cause humans to interact with each other? Um, and, and you're just like, uh, I don't know, or I think I know, but I'm not sure. Uh, and and you, you're, you're, really, you're literally doing a psychology experiment to see how humans uh, interact with this thing. Uh, but, but your goal, ultimately, is to understand every system in your game, to be able to say, okay, uh, I know based on, based on you know, this logic series, based on all this evidence that I've gathered, all, the, all these behaviors that I've observed, I know that this is going to do this. And I understand the reason is because players have ownership, because uh, the, there's risk, because you know, whatever the factors are. If you don't, if you don't understand why something's happening, then uh, you need to explore it until you do, or, or you're not going to be able to make uh, meaningful decisions. It's like, it's like when a game designer creates a game where, where they ask a player, Choose from deck A or B. P.S. There's no information for you about which of those is better, right? Like, if you can't make an informed decision, then then your decision is irrelevant. Uh, so yeah, understanding is super important. 
and and kind of kind of the goal. Um, for for me, making a good game is iterating on my skill as a as a designer of that game, right? So there's, there's like the general like, oh, I want to be a better game designer in general, and just the more that I design games, I do that. But specifically, there's this game that nobody else has made uh, that I haven't made, and I, I try to make it once, and it's bad in these ways, and it's good in these ways, and then I throw it out, and I make it again. Uh, but each time that I do that, it's it's not it's not completely from scratch because I'm a new per I am a person who understands how to make that game better. Um, like like if you were building a puzzle, uh, if you were making a piece of art that was very intricate, it's like oh well I made it the the first time and it like I I started to understand how things came together, but it, you know I I didn't know what I was doing. Throw it out, do it again. Oh and now like everything comes together in a really interesting way. But now I see. Now that I understand that, I've got an idea how to polish it and make it really sing. You design it again, and you are the person now because you iterated on yourself as a designer of that thing. Um, oh, I would say like even to extend that, like don't get too attached. You know, like people talk about kill your darlings. Like sometimes, yeah, that's a problem, but like everything like it's like i have like a, a little small army and 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 i don't pay them at all and and they're probably all going to die like that i sometimes think of my games like that because like everyone's expendable um until they're not you know and uh like prove your worth or you know die by the sword you know like it, it um and you know like i mean uh you will find when you're testing things that uh you know, like i worked on a RPG for like multiple years and now it's a card game. So when somebody told me kill your darlings, they didn't tell me the entire subgenre you were in. Um, but like, you know, that's just sort of kind of what happens sometimes. Um, the, I was gonna have a, I had a thing for this, but keep going. Uh, when is a game done? That's a super hard question to answer. Um, a, a game might be done when, when you just can't stand making it anymore and you think it's good enough to put out there. Um, it, it might be that you get to that point and you say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on the shelf and I'm going to come back to it in a month or a year or five years. Um, most, of, most of my published games are games that have been on the shelf multiple times for multiple years. So that, that's a totally normal thing. I will say that write down why you put it on the shelf, what, like, what vexed you, because if you don't, you can, it's going to be like five years later and you feel like, I should really pick that game up. And you're going to pick it up and be like, I don't know what's wrong with this. And I have to do like three tests to remember and that's that's I'm not sh yeah I'm not sure if some of these things exist in the cardboard game space but like if you are designing role playing games do game chef and do it like you have to finish this game because learning to finish something like that's a skill there or like being able to end a state and know that this is not perfect you know um the it, it's it's a really good thing because like it lets you finish something right um uh, the uh, you know sometimes arbitrary deadlines are our best friend you know um, uh, like I think you know like there's a lot of things on how to uh, like you know um, uh, like f knowing if something is done like typically like a lot of times like both of us have talked about like asking questions coming up with challenging assumptions uh, testing iterations you know like when you find that the feedback is minutia or like how this game like, like you know design or something. 
Yeah, who knows, right? Like when when the when the feedback you're getting is more is like as the feedback becomes more consistent, you start like that's how you start to tell that you're on the path that this game seems to be going in, right? Like assuming you're okay with that path, right? Like that's the point where you may shelve something, but like you could also be like, hey, this is working. This is doing what I want, what I think it should do now, you know? And then you're no longer asking yourself these big questions. Maybe you're not even asking yourself questions anymore. You keep trying and then you're changing little things. Like you can always, you can change plus or minus one until the end of time and never publish your game, okay? Um, and so you, you, you know, Ending's good because if, if anything, it lets you work on something else. Um, the you know, um, I think that you know, like yeah, ending something, finishing something is really, really important um, because yeah, otherwise it goes in endless spin cycle. Yeah, I, I ideally, you know, if you've done fifty, a hundred play tests, you, if you do three tests without changing anything other than like the the grammar or the or the spelling. Thank you. Uh, then, then you're you're probably done. Wrap it up. Uh, you know, do do those last tweaks and, and ship it out. It could be that it, you know a year after it's published, you're like, okay, I, I'm going to change these ten things, and that's worth sending out a new PDF or an errata or something like that. But uh, you, you tell yourself you'll be wildly successful, and it'll be addressed in the second edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, like I mean. You know, like things are always going to be slightly imperfect. We're gonna that that's what happens. You know, like uh, you try to make it. The way I look at a lot of game design is we everyone who does game design has a slice of I want this to be perfect. And the reality of that is our good is real. Like you have to say this to yourself, and it's a good thing to say to yourself in the morning. My good is unfucking believable <laughs> because I am so I've been spending so much time get, trying to make this game the best it can be that even if I accept good like that good it's not like good like oh yeah I did an okay job no like my good has been like pushed you know so you know it's not like you're going from perfect to shit it's, it's like perfect to uh, the hat looks off you know, like that's literally sometimes what we're, what you're getting at. And when it's little things like that, the step down isn't really like maybe it's a step down here, but it's really not. That's when you're done. Uh, I, I think we need to let you go so you can get to yeah. the next places. If you still have questions, you can come talk to us now. Thank you for.